Welcome to Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. Good morning, and welcome to Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. It's good to be back with you, honey. We're in the middle of Psalms. We've been doing the Psalms of David for a number of months now. Mm -hmm. Last time we sat down together, we started on Psalm 142, and we focused on the issues of grief. David seemed to do a good job of going right to the point with the psalm. Absolutely. It's another short one, so only a few verses, so we're going to read it through again. But to recap from last time, we talked about how these are emotional outpourings of him, and so we don't know exactly what the masculine maxa words meant, other than it would seem to be like a very impassioned kind of, you know, excoriating kind of experience where you just feel burned Mm -hmm. by the circumstances and you just got to pour it all out to God. We talked about the appropriate ways to express grief and how David is such a great example for us that pretty much anything goes when you're expressing your grief because grief, it's a very personal thing and each one of us expresses grief in a different way. So much like the Lord's Prayer shows us a good template for prayer, the Psalms of David, especially the Psalms of Lament, we grieve different circumstances in our life. And by template, I think we probably more of the idea of an emotional template. Mm -hmm. What are the fair rules of the game? What are we allowed to do? What do we allow ourselves to do when we talk to God? And himself, what does God have to say about the way we express ourselves to him? Mm-hmm. He seems to be pretty generous with these things. And if David himself is a template for us as a person, he gives us a lot of freedom to say what we need to say, what our hearts really believe. Because I don't think God really engages with us when we lie to ourselves. Mm, I think he's able to call it out and say, you know, when you're ready to tell me the truth about something, let's talk again. And it is important for us to be honest about how we feel, not because we believe always that we're always right. In fact, if we do believe that, we're probably in a lot worse shape than many. Mm -hmm, But we have to be honest about the fact that we feel these things right now, Mm -hmm. or that we are willing to let God challenge our conceptions and to invite a different way of looking at things because he promises to be true and just. And just doesn't just mean that he has justice in his hands, but that he will say it just as it is. Mm -hmm. And that that is another sense of the word just, which I think is lost in a lot of discussions about theology. God knows just what it is and knows just what we need. I like that. That's a good way to look at it. And it takes some of the scariness out of the word justice (laughs) or just. Yeah. So I'm going to read Psalm 142 all the way through from the Good News Translation. I call to the Lord for help. I plead with him. I bring him all my complaints. I tell him all my troubles. When I'm ready to give up, he knows what I should do. In the path where I walk, my enemies have hidden a trap from me. When I look beside me, I see that there is no one to help me. No one to protect me. No one cares for me. Lord, I cry to you for help. You, Lord, are my protector. You are all that I want in this life. Listen to my cry for help, for I am sunk in despair. Save me from my enemies. They are too strong for me. Set me free from my distress. Then, in the assembly of your people, I will praise you because of your goodness to me. I love that he ends, of course, with not just an up note, but an affirming note about the character of God. Even if we're left in a place of deep despair about something, to acknowledge that which has proven itself to be true time and time again, even if I don't feel like it helps me, at least puts us on the track 
to finding what truth is about my circumstances as much as I know about who God says he is. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like the way Dave is writing this, that he really believes that last sentence. He believes that God has been good to him and is reminding himself to remind himself that these things are true about God because he's seen it. I think that's true across the board in the Psalms of David, especially the Psalms of lament or the Psalms of complaint or whatever you want to call them. He, I won't say always, but I think always ends with a praise to God, with how good God is and how God has been faithful and how God always shows up for him. That too is a good reminder. You were saying how David is reminding himself to remind himself of the goodness of God. That's a good example for us. We need to keep reminding ourselves, even if we don't feel like it, which David doesn't seem to feel like it. He's trapped in a cave here. This is when Saul was chasing him. But he's confessing the goodness of God, even in a very dire situation. Well, confession, it is the thing that settles the issue. You know, if you go to a court of law, they're trying to prove that somebody is guilty of a crime. But if the person keeps insisting on their innocence the entire time through, you get your work cut out for you. Mm -hmm. But a confession can change everything in an instant. Mm -hmm. You know, if someone is willing to take responsibility and they're being truthful about it and face the music, in some ways, the confession is having mercy on those who are accusing you, admitting that you were right, I was wrong. I'll accept my punishment. And we can see the benefits to the legal system and to those who are harmed. The confession can just make clear what happened and own up. But when there's an insistence that I'm always right and I'm never going to yield, even if the facts are against me, there's no place for restoration or relationship or forgiveness, really. But when we confess the things that are true about God, we're also having mercy on him to say, What you say is right, I confess that, I acknowledge that, and you are God, I am not. Mm -hmm. But also for seeing the world as it really is. If we let God be God first, and we confess that first, and we say, you have first place in all things, so you lead now. Show me what I need to see. Help me understand what I need to know. Help me to act in a way that honors you. Then we put him in the place where he's at his best. He's being God again. He's being our God. David is really good at reminding God of who he yes, is. Yes, he is. Because and, I'm sure it's because he's assured of his relationship. Yeah, he's not afraid yeah. he's going to get thrown out. I sound like I'm repeating myself with this over and over, but David has such a great understanding of who God is, yeah. and he gives us such a great example of how we can be honest with God and we can be honest with ourselves. We don't have to parse our words out to make sure they sound right. We're saying the right words. As scripture tells us in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us and reads the intent and the desires of our heart and is able to confess those things to God and to bring those honest confessions before God in a way that we often are not able to in our own flesh. I'm glad you brought up the issue of the Holy Spirit interceding, because remember, intercession is about standing alongside someone or helping them through the Mm. thing they're going through. It's not an accusation against. And often, the Holy Spirit is cast as the Attorney General, that he's somehow bringing a cause against us, and that Jesus and the Father have to somehow sort it out and decide, yay or nay, do we save, do we not save? The scriptures are not anywhere close to that as far as describing what the Holy Spirit is. He's an advocate for us. And like Jesus stands before the Father, the Holy Spirit stands with us where we are. The scripture is rich with imagery of God standing with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
And interceding for us, he is confessing to God who he is and reminding the Father and the Son of what they do on behalf of his people, Mm -hmm. his children. And in saying those things, he can speak for us in ways that we can't even put words to. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he speaks our groaning. Sometimes we hear God himself groan over the situation we're in, and we realize, hey, he feels this. He experiences this. He's not far from this. He's right here. And because of that, he's confessing truth. Another thing about truth I think I would be happy to focus on for a while today, honey, is the idea that confession and telling God the truth about anything is a pathway to all truth. Mm. Telling God the truth about himself is a way of getting to the truth about all things. You can't lie to yourself or about yourself to God and expect to be hearing truth or telling him the truth because he can hear the lie. Mm -hmm. But when God hears truth coming from our lips by his own spirit inspiring us to speak truth and to be honest. All things are possible. You know, and Jesus says, with men, all things are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I think possibility only comes from truth. I don't think real possibilities in anything in life can ever grow out of lies. No, not good things, for sure. In David's desire and eagerness to be honest before God and to speak truth before God about his own situation as well as about who God is, he pleads with him. He calls for help. He's ready to give up. He confesses this in verse 3, God knows what I should do. And I love that David says that because we talk about this a lot on Compassion Radio, asking God what he wants us to know about our situation or a situation or something that we're going through. And sitting before God and saying, God, what am I going to do in this? What do you want me to know? But he knows what we should do. It's important for us to be quiet before the Lord Mm. to be able to hear those responses. And here David is stuck in a cave. He's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. He's got to listen. I was speaking with someone not too long ago. They were wanting some direction in what they needed to do with their career, Mm. what kind of things would work best for them, giftings and in their education and their desires. And I said to this person, well, what does God want you to do? What is he telling you to do? As you sit in quiet with the Holy Spirit, what are you hearing? And they looked at me and they said to me, I I don't get quiet. I don't Mm. like that. Quiet is not good for me. And I said, well, might I suggest that you turn the radio off in the car when you're driving to and from places or that you just spend a few minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes just in quiet so that you can begin to hear the voice of the Lord, so that you can begin to discern what is the difference between those voices of confusion and chaos that always want to crowd in and the voice of God. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the Word, inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. 
just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Reach out to us whatever way works for you. And now, back to our discussion. Might I suggest that you turn the radio off in the car when you're driving to and from places, or that you just spend a few minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, just in quiet so that you can begin to hear the voice of the Lord, so that you can begin to discern what is the difference between those voices of confusion and chaos that always want to crowd in, and the voice of God. How about this thought? Is it important for us to listen for the silences of God? Absolutely. Because I don't think a God is always a jabbermouth, (laughs) like he's always trying to cram a few words in edgewise between all of our rantings. There are sometimes when it feels like when I'm praying and he's not saying anything, mm. but it takes some time to realize that he hasn't left either. So like someone you really love and know well, and they're going through something with you, perhaps you just sit there and be with them. And that's more than enough. Mm. Now, if we start to expect that from God, that he will be with me, even if I don't need to hear him talk to me or give me a lecture or a sermon or a reason to change my mind or something, but just to know that he's present. Sometimes we can't really know that someone's even there in the room with us if we don't get quiet Mm -hmm. and listen for their heartbeat, literally. Mm -hmm. Perhaps God does that sometimes, too, and speaks strongly to us of his personal presence with us Mm -hmm. by being quiet and inviting us to do the same. Mm -hmm. That's good. I know sometimes it's important for us when we're sitting around in the evenings just here at home, just being in the same room you're doing whatever you're doing. You're reading a book or you're on your laptop and I'm reading a book or crocheting, which is one thing I'd love to do. (laughs) But we're just together and we don't always have to speak. It isn't always important or necessary for us to have conversation, although that's great and I love that. But just being together, Mm. being in the same room and knowing that there you are right there with me, knowing that you acknowledge I'm there and present, it's a great example of what it's like to just sit in God's presence, Mm -hmm. to have that time with someone that you really care about, that you just want to be with them. Now we're arriving at that discussion about being in each other's presence because we had a pretty long talk about loneliness. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be lonely? Why are we feeling lonely when we're with people we love? And there have been times in our lives and our relationship with each other where we just felt lonely, even though we know we're in the room with each other. And that seems like an oxymoron. If we know we're present and we know we're not leaving to go somewhere else, we have faith that we're always going to be together because we've made that commitment and we're actually living it out. There doesn't seem to be a reason to be lonely in that. And yet sometimes those feelings well up. So let's explore that for a couple of minutes. How do you think, honey, that we end up feeling lonely even when we know we're in the presence of people that love us? I think that has a lot to do with being able to quiet our minds. When there's a lot of things crowding in on your mind and you haven't really allowed yourself to release the cares of the day or the cares of the world or the stresses that you're feeling, you carrying those with you instead of releasing them, 
you're preoccupied a lot of times mm-hmm. with those thoughts and with those emotions that begin to overwhelm you. Crowding out reality. And when you don't feel like you can have those conversations with people in the same room with you about the things that are stressing you out, or if the person in the room is stressing you out. <laughs> or are you thinking about that person right now? It, yes. <laughs> it's causing you stress. Then that, I think, can really bring about a great sense of loneliness because you don't think you have that openness to talk about things. If you feel like maybe maybe they're going to shut me down or maybe they're going to disagree with me and then they'll turn it back on me and attack me with these things. I don't want that. So I just kind of shut it out. It's easy to do that when we have gotten ourselves into a situation where we're just running at breakneck speed and we're not trapped in a cave and have nowhere to go yeah. and can't quiet ourselves. David had to be quiet. And David was caught a number of times in the rock and hard play situations, Mm -hmm. and he sings many songs about those times. Yeah. Well, I do wonder sometimes if when we feel like we're lonely, or we we feel loneliness feelings, or things that seem to us that this is loneliness, if it's not part of our heart kind of saying, I want out, I want away from this, this thing that I'm feeling, I want to be away from it. It's almost like an escape. I would rather escape what I'm in and have nothing than to be where I am and change it or let it be transformed where I am. Mm-hmm. I think people who feel lonely, even people in marriages that feel lonely, don't really want to be alone. They just feel like the thing they have is not the thing that is not the other. It's something else. It's dissonant. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it doesn't feel like it's really what it could be. And I would hope that that same kind of dissonance would show up in our hearts in dealing with God at times, and we know that we are distant from Him, keeping Him away from us, even though we're close to each other. I don't want to project loneliness to you or to anybody that I love, especially. I want to be present and enjoy the time together. And if not to enjoy the time, to make sure that the time we spend is meaningful. We are glad we actually were here together, even if it was tough. David seems to get along pretty well with being alone with God in these circumstances, and he gives us the courage to speak the same things in our lonely times, even when loneliness is somehow devouring us. Mm -hmm. He gives us a way out by giving us words to speak of confession, of telling the truth about God and who he is, so that we can finally hear what God needs to say to us about us, Mm -hmm. so that we can hear his heart not just his commands. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what David leads us back to, is that ability to sit down and listen without fear that God's going to condemn us for asking a question. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that wisdom comes from knowing good questions, not having great answers. Well, David says, when I see that there's no one beside me to protect me, to care for me, to be my advocate, then I cry to God. Mm. I cry to him because I am in a situation that I have no control over. Yeah. Even in our loneliest times, we can look to God for that assurance mm. that, in fact, we're not alone. Yeah. It may appear that we're in a lonely place or that no one is beside us, even to our own eyes. But when we confess these things to God, as David is showing us to do, God reveals himself to us in his goodness and his desire to be with us, to be in our presence even. Because we have the Holy Spirit, we have a different perspective than where David was, not having the indwelling of the Holy Spirit as we do. It's a different perspective. I do think sometimes we get hung up too much on the theology of the indwelling Holy Spirit versus the covering Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, and that people think that perhaps David had a fundamentally different relationship with God because of that distance on the other side of the cross. I don't know. 
Maybe so. I do believe that God can make himself known and has made himself known since creation on. I do too. But David does say in one of his Psalms, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. So that would lead me to believe anyway that (laughs) there was a possibility of that if he's not diligent. Or he's speaking universal fear, you know, that even though he doesn't leave us, it still feels like we could lose him. He talks a lot about feeling alone and God, where are you? Even Jesus on the cross expressing that kind of fear of separation. I don't know how to get down to the base of that, but it seems like all human beings have had to have at least a baseline kind of relationship potential with God, no matter where they are in relationship to history. So I think it's worth exploring over the rest of our lives. What does it mean For me in this generation, knowing what we know, what we experienced, it is a special time to be alive. We have the benefit of thousands of years of more experience and wisdom of other writers besides just David to say, this is the picture of what it was like when we were alive on this earth. So we can keep building on that knowledge and wisdom and growing deeper, hopefully wiser along the way too. Mm -hmm. Last thought. It seems like we live in an age of conspiracies or conspiracy Mm -hmm. theories. We seem to be drawn up into them, and we want to be scared almost. We want to have a conspiracy to try to explain the fears that we have in our lives. And for all the QAnons and other kind of things that are out there that are crowding the public sphere and the psyche of the time, it seems to be a fundamental thing about human nature that we always want to have something to blame about something or Mm. a reason why bad things happen. And we want to create that and be able to have control over it or master it. Create the boogeyman. Yeah. And to have a boogeyman means that we don't really have to change either. We can just blame the boogeyman. Mm -hmm. God doesn't really give us that option, though. He says, if I'm here, then things can be made right because I'm always right in the sense of being correct and true and perfect. That has not been taken from the world. The world is not going to hell in a handbasket because of some conspiracy that explains away all of my fears. In fact, knowing that God is present and dwells his faithful followers, his children that want to know him, means that we really have no excuse to step away from the responsibility of saying, we can make a difference right here and right now and transform the world by our perspective and by our obedience. And that there should be a whole lot of fear that just evaporates at that point, knowing that God put us in this time for such a time as this. And not to back away from it and just cry foul and that we can't control this thing. And if the black helicopters start coming for me, I know it was them to start with. There are so many things we can blame that are just vapors. And there's so little discipline, it seems, in this generation to come back to the cross and say, okay, this is concrete, this is real, this is who you are. You are a saving God. So save me now, like David says. Take away the lies. Take away the falsehoods, the things that take the place of your truth. So I can speak the truth to you. I can hear the truth from you. I can live the truth around this world in front of others. And not be ashamed or afraid of the fact that truth is alive and well in us. Mm -hmm. And to follow it and be corrected by it if necessary so we know it's time to follow him again because we made a mistake. We followed a falsehood. Okay, put that aside, come back to the cross and move on. I think there's plenty of that right here in the psalm as well. He's calling me to him so that I could be like him and go where he goes. Mm -hmm. When we're able to bring our true selves before God and express our hearts, bring our complaints, Mm -hmm. bring our pleas for help, when we're ready to give up, trusting that God knows what to do, God knows what we should do, and God is already at work doing what he's going to do in our life. And so we can... Praise him. So as we can David find says. that he was in that future waiting for us. Yeah. yeah. He is right here 
right now, he was then, he will always be. We confess those things in our churches for a reason, to acknowledge the truth of who he is and who he is for us right now if we're willing to accept it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we have for you today on Compassion Radio's uh, Chasing the Word. We hope to come back with us tomorrow for more news of what God's doing around the world. And we'll see you again next Monday for the next Chasing the Word. Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raise with him to endless life. He will hold me fast. Till our faith is turned to Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Or make your gift through our website, CompassionRadio.com. We need you, friend, so contact us today.